Jamie Fisher is a cold-blooded person who has no heart, no conscience, no soul. She looks like an angel. She's a small, petite girl. She's the devil. Welcome to our second episode of Exploited for this week, the show where we talk about exploitation and exploitation-adjacent films. I'm Alexis Jowski. And they call me the Yorba Linda Lolita. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> That's true, they don't. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about the Amy Fisher story from 1993, directed by Andy Tennant. Drew Barrymore is Amy Fisher. You ever been with an older guy? Unstoppable. Whatever Amy wants... Amy gets insatiable. I love him, and I love the sex. And dangerous. I'll do whatever it takes to get his wife out of the way. Don't start what you can't finish. When I know what I want, I go for it. Let me see it. You're a psycho. Don't say it's over. This is getting out of control. The New York Times calls ABC's the best of the three. Drew Barrymore, the Amy Fisher story, someday. This is our second time doing a TV movie. Uh... The other time was the the wonderful Deadly Invasion, the Killer Bee Nightmare. That movie was a lot of fun. This one, no. If you really want that one, that's episode sixty point five. But director Andy Tennant did a lot of TV and TV movies, including the Amy Fisher story. He had his first theatrical feature in nineteen ninety five with It Takes Two. (laughs) It's an Olsen twins movie with Steve Gutenberg. Ah, the Goot. Yeah, and then he went on to do Ever After with Drew Barrymore, Anna and the King, Hitch, Sweet Home Alabama. So he's had a good career. That is a good career. Yeah, um, we already discussed Drew Barrymore. She's in this. Yep, round two of Drew Barrymore doing sexy things as an underage character. Yep, oh, I'm going to skip all my notes about Amy Fisher for the end. Yeah. Well, other than the fact that this is based on a true story. That yeah. Amy Fisher fell in love with? This, you know, 39-year-old married dude, Joey Buttafuoco. So I always thought it was a mobster, but apparently he's just some random mechanic. Yeah, he's just a mechanic in Long Island. Amy became obsessed with him and then went and shot Joey's wife. What was her name? Mary Jo? Yeah. Shot her in the head, which she somehow lived. And Amy Fisher went to jail, and this story blew the fuck up in 1992. I don't know why. Which blows my mind. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't say it's like a common story, but also it's like I said, I always thought he was a mobster because that that would explain why it would get national press, right? Like, oh, this little girl tried to kill a mobster's wife. Like that would that would make news. Just some random mechanic's wife. It just seems bizarre that it becomes such a big deal. Yeah, um, it was everywhere. I mean, I just a child at the time didn't really get what was going on other than like seeing it in the news and then the paper like oh my god this long island lolita story and the movie goes into the sensationalism of it which i have notes about that (laughs) yeah um so this is the one from nbc i don't remember yeah this is the one from nbc it premiered on january 3rd 1993 cbs had a version as well called Casualties of Love, The Long Island Lolita Story with Alyssa Milano, which aired 
on January 3rd, 1993. Same day and time. And then ABC had their own called Amy Fisher, My Story, that aired on December 28th, 92. Just a few days before the others. Got out ahead. Yeah. But that's the least remembered one. Normally people remember the, the Drew Barrymore one we're discussing. Or the fucking batshit Alyssa Milano one. Yeah. Where, I, always, I always think of the Alyssa Milano one. Where they're doing cocaine and she's screaming about the herpes. Yeah. I mean, we do get the herpes in here. We do. Yeah, there's Amy Fisher's filmography. We'll get to that later, though. She does, in fact, have a filmography. Yeah. So before we jump into the movie... I gotta pull this up here. You know, you can listen to all of our episodes at www.exploitedpodcast.com. You know, follow us on Spotify, Apple, subscribe to us. Let people know. Get the word out. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast or on the Dying Muskrat site. <laughs> X and us are gonna give it to you. Yeah. X gonna give it to you. At Podcast Exploit. And you can also join our Discord for... You know, we share the episodes and other things, and we do watch parties every Thursday night. We'll be doing Friday the 13th next week. Which one? Oh, I don't know. Guess you gotta join the Discord to find out. So, Amy Fisher starts as every TV movie does, with soft music and bland credits. (laughs) Yep. And we're at the Huntington Psychiatric Hospital in Long Island, New York, and... We got Mary Jo on TV just going off about Amy Fisher's a cold-blooded person who has no heart and no soul. She's the devil. Well, she's on TV ranting. We see Amy Fisher lying in bed with her mother who's comforting her. And it's a bit of a shock watching this immediately after Poison Ivy. Yeah. In Poison Ivy, she has the bright blonde hair. Here, her hair is dark. Right. Which I think is her natural hair color. And it's a testament to how great of an actress Drew Barrymore is, because these are two totally different women. Right. She does not play these two the same at all. This one very much a victim. Yeah. um, And this one has a very complete backstory. Oh, yes, because it's a real person with real backstory. It helps. Um, And Amy Fisher, she's like, I want to die, just let me die. Because she has attempted to commit suicide yep and it's very nice of this hospital to treat this suicidal woman by playing loudly video of someone telling him them how much of a piece of shit she is such a nice hospital yeah um and so she has these black and white flashbacks of having hot sex with joey but if you go yeah so once once amy goes to sleep mom goes to a payphone and calls up this reporter amy pagnazzi who becomes much more important later. The one fucking person that seems to give a shit about Amy. Yeah, she's the one decent person in the whole movie. But then we go back to Amy rolling around, having her Joey flashbacks, and, uh... Not not, not Joey from Friends or Joey from Full House. Joey Buttafuoco. Joey Buttafuoco. Um, and so we, we go with the black and white flashbacks eventually turn into color, because we're seeing Amy's 16th birthday, and she's just gotten this car... Um, you know, it's a 1991 something or other. It looks like a 1991 car, all right. Yeah, it does. It or 1990. Fast. The day says August 2, 1990. Oh, it's a 19. Well, it might be a 1991 model. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. And for some yeah. reason, it has Amy written on the side. A-I-M-E-E. Yeah. Like, did the set designer get this wrong? <laughs> and Amy, It's like the Amy from... 
from fucking Congo. Yeah. So, uh, they all got them New York accents, like, heavily. Yeah. You you lived in, in New York, so you're a little bit more familiar with that. Yeah, but I lived in New York City, which is a greater cross-section of the world, and not New York. Yeah, yeah there's accents you hear, but not as many. You don't get that Long Island accent that often? No. You get that on Long Island, or upstate. But... You know, Amy's so happy to have this car, and she's thankful, and she's hugging her mom. But then her fucking hundred-year-old dad. God, this guy. This fucking dad. He's like, I I thought the dad, and I thought the dad from fucking Poison Ivy was bad. Then there's this guy. This hundred-year-old dad. I didn't get his name. All my notes just say hundred-year-old dad. (laughs) I probably didn't even bother to note it, because triggered. And so... He's like, Amy, no friends in your car. You cannot drive at night. You bring it back when I tell you. And she's like, fuck you, Dad. Why did you give me the car? Ah." I love it, okay? I love it. That's all that matters. That and I never want you driving with other people in the car. He's kidding, sweetheart. No, I'm not. You don't drive your friends around. You don't take the car out at night. You bring it back when I tell you. This is not a toy. You're not a child. You understand? Yes. What? Yeah, God, why did you give me the damn thing in the first place if I can't have any fun with it? Yeah, that's just that's just reeks of, like, power move. Yeah, and then, like, the mom's like, don't treat her like that. And then they go to, like, her birthday dinner at fucking Applebee's, and she's just wearing a regular dress, and the dad's like, why did you dress like that? Everyone's staring at you. Um, and meanwhile, he's ogling some random girl behind him. Yeah. Under. Well, that doesn't help because Amy is I fucking the bartender too. <laughs> yeah, why not though? And um, so she she leaves this family dinner because hundred year old dad is so rude and called her a hooker. Nice. So she goes to some other guy. This this other boy, I didn't get his name, Ryan or something. They're her boyfriend. And he's got a whole family there that they're all nice. They're like, Amy, happy birthday. And they sing her happy birthday. You know, it's quite the opposite than what she has with her parents. Yeah. Because I love the contrast because we go right from that, like, they're welcoming and singing happy birthday to dinner, you know, breakfast the next morning with her parents and everybody is cold and mean and it's quiet. Right. But then Amy's kind of a bitch to her mom. She's like, I got to go shopping. I need school clothes. Oh, you need money? I need your credit card. Yeah, she's kind of, she's somewhat spoiled. And then, uh, you know, she decides to sit back. She is on, a six, but she's also a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, she is a sixteen-year-old. This is normal behavior, kind of. It's it's in it's in realm of reason. And then, um, she decides to relax on the couch and start doing a quiz in Cosmo. Ah, uh, Cosmo. Yeah, and then the hundred-year-old dad is like, "I need you to go to the pharmacy and pick up my prescriptions." And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll get it later. Oh, I guess I'll try not to have a heart attack and die before then. He's just such a terrible human being. He is awful. And I'd be like, please have that heart attack. Yeah. Please fucking die. Stay on the couch, Amy. Do your Cosmo quiz. Yeah. World will be better without that asshole. And um, then Amy's, like, having sex in the car with her, her boyfriend. Yeah. Like, literally parked in front of her parents' house. And, well, while he's, you know, doing it to her, she's like, do your parents have sex? What's it like when your parents have sex? Do you wonder about what it's like? And he's like, oh, God, you're sick. (laughs) You know, I was like, yeah, that is. She 
Do you think your mom and dad still love each other? I bet they do. I bet they still have sex, too. Oh, Amy. Mm, sex till death do us part. I mean, that's like real love, passion and stuff. Mm. Oh, don't you ever wonder if your parents are doing it right now? This is sick. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen your face. Mm. So, do you think your mother can teach me how to cook lasagna? I mean, because if we're going to be married and all, then I need to know how to cook all your favorite foods. Okay, so, this, there's obviously some psychological aspects here. She finds the fact that his parents are actually, like, still together and still like each other to be very romantic and attractive. Yeah, it's because her, Cause, parents... Cause her parents are fucking loveless marriage because dad is a shit face. Yeah, 100-year-old so, dad is horrible. So she's basically just like, oh, I wish my parents loved each other enough to keep fucking each other. And so Amy's like, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, do you think your mother could teach me to cook lasagna? Because if we're going to be married, I need to know how to cook. And he's like, Jesus Christ, Amy married? And she's just again going, kidding. But no, she's not, because back home she's made this lasagna for dinner. Right, she no, she she's got the Madison problem from Swim Fan, where she's just like obsessed, <laughs> falls in love with the first person, and it's, has this complete obsession. And then um, she, so she's made this lasagna, and um, spent all day on it. And the mom's like, "How much cheese did you use?" "Oh, a couple pounds." It's like it's a cheesy lasagna, honey. We have to be careful. Your dad's cholesterol. I mean, he's a hundred years old. Right. And dad comes and is like, what the hell happened? Saddle lasagna, it will kill me. Yeah. And mom's like, I'll make you a salad, honey. And Aunt Amy's just like, fuck y'all. And just throws this whole lasagna in the trash and leaves. I mean, it is very rude, right? Like, she spent all this time trying to make this dinner. Yeah, and he and comes in. I mean, I would be offended, too. They're fighting at the door. She's trying to leave. And then the dad just like collapses on the stairs going, my pills! I need my pills! Amy's just like, I did all this work, you don't even care, I'm leaving. And he's just screaming about my pills! He has no... He, he's, he is a sociopath. Like, a oh, raging sociopath. He's terrible. Um, So Amy throws the pills at him and she storms out. I made dinner. Yes, I see. I know it looks big, but the recipe's for ten. Oh, it smells delicious! Uh, honey, how much cheese did you use? I don't know, a couple of pounds or something. Oh, you know, sweetheart, we have to be careful when we're cooking for your dad because his cholesterol. Who said he had to eat any? Well, that's true. Maybe next time. What about this time? I guess all this work means nothing. Of course it does. I'm sorry. What the hell happened in here? Why does the world always have to revolve around him? Don't talk to your mother like that. Yeah, let's all calm down, okay? I'll make a salad, we'll have a nice dinner. Why are you always taking his side? Forget it. Honey! Forget the whole thing. Hey! I hope you're intending to clean up in there. Let go! Come on, you two. Let go! Rose! Talk. I did all that work and you don't even care! Of course I care. I love you. I need my pills. This isn't love. It's insanity. Roseanne, my pills. Shut up! Why 
Why do you have to be so hard on her? Why can't you just let her be? Here, Amy! That's it? You're gonna hit me? Try it, just try it! I hate it here. I feel like I'm gonna die. I'm just gonna explode. She does the whole Rocky IV driving in the car and thinking. Yeah. Um, ends up at like some aunt's house. And it's like, can I stay here? Then we get the the hundred year old dad has taken his walker on down to the police station. Oh yeah. And filing a missing person's report on Amy. They're like, Well what's your daughter like? Oh, she's out of control, psychotic and crazy. He just described herself. Yeah, well, some prostitute that's being arrested makes a kissy face at him and he's checking her out. Yeah. Amy eventually does come home and has her, her crying with mom about how terrible dad is, but, you know, that's just what dad is. Yeah, well, the problem is we've got the traditional, like, I know my husband's a shithead wife, but I'm not going to do anything about it because I'm just, you know, I'm just a poor little housewife. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. That's sort of previous generation's attitude towards life. Is that once you've married somebody, you're stuck with them for the rest of your life, no matter how terrible they become. So mom does care about Amy, but isn't strong enough of a person to stand up to her horrible husband. husband. But so Amy has dented her car, and they're at an auto body repair shop now. Hundred-year-old dad is very not happy about this. And the most 90s guy ever comes out. With his fucking, those pants, though. Those fucking neon parachute pants? Yeah, that was, folks, that was a thing. Yeah, that People was. wore those. That's not just like, ha ha, look at the silly pants. Fuckers walked around in those things like it was normal. That was the, the 90s were a terrible time. The 90s were a horrible time for fashion. Yeah, and um, he's like, oh, is this your daughter? Nice to meet you. I'm Joe Butterfuco. It'll take a couple days to repair, and, and he gives gives Amy a wink. Boom, we're back in the, the present as Amy wakes back in the hospital. A police detective is given a press conference. This morning, Amy Fisher, 17-year-old high school senior from Merrick, was arrested and charged with the attempted murder of housewife Mary Jo Butterfuco. An unidentified male who drove her to the house is still at large. Mrs. Butterfuco was shot one time in the head and was not expected to survive. This morning, doctors are saying it's a miracle she made it through the night. She was able to describe her assailant to a T. That's it. Yeah. You know, everyone's like, ooh, fatal attraction. And then we get that that reporter, Amy Pagnazzi, at the New York Post. She's not happy with this story. She doesn't want to cover this story. Right. She wants to be covering the election. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah, that was an election year. That's when we yep. elected Bill Clinton. Yep. Clinton beats... Uh, beats uh, Bush. H.W. Bush. Grandpa Bush. Yeah. And... uh uh, there's a, a line there's like Clinton has no chance of winning. Was that something that was actually thought? I don't remember. Like I was, I, don't, I was twelve, ninety two. <laughs> yeah, ninety two. I was, I was nine. So I don't remember Clinton. I, I thought Clinton was, you know, he was on the Arsenio Hall show playing saxophone. He was he on was, Nickelodeon. That's where I saw him. I thought he was. I you know. I from my recollection, people thought he was was pretty cool. So. I don't know, but obviously this was this came out literally like the year after he was elected. Actually, what did you say, January? No, this was 3rd? before he was inaugurated. 
Yeah. After the election, but before the inauguration. So when they filmed this, they must have genuinely thought he had no chance. Yeah. Fascinating. A little bit of history there, but we all know how that worked out. Yeah, we do. But so uh, Amy's in jail. You know, she's on the phone. Like, it's me. I need to hear a friendly voice. I guess she's trying to call Joey. Well, no, she's not. But we think she is. Yeah. And I'm like, is this our woman in prison section of the movie? Yeah. But it's not really. We don't really get a woman in prison section of this movie. We just get a couple shots of her moping around in a prison outfit. Yeah. We actually don't get a woman in prison part of this movie, really. Uh, Then we get TV interviews with the kid she went to school with. That's like, oh, yeah, she was always crashing that car. I guess she was really in love with the guy. And he didn't know what he was getting himself into. They're like, they went to a love carnival and he brought his kids and they called her Aunt Amy. And, like, it's this tabloid show. It's, like, hard copy. And they're like, when we return, we talk to another friend who has even more salacious gossip about Amy. Yeah, the this reporter uh, just talks shit about hard copy, like, the entire movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Pagnazzi's interviewing a student, and the student's like, oh, Amy was devoted to the guy. She even wore a beeper so he could call her any time. And she's like, what? A beeper? Which, again, that's a relic from this time. Yep. We talked about that in Swim Fan, though. Yeah. So we have the uh, the grand jury is hearing the case. Mary Jo's in the hospital giving her testimony remotely. Because um, she's looking like, like fucking Bob in Freeway. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Amy goes to meet with her lawyer, but just wants to talk to him about magic finger beds. You know, because Amy's, Amy's weird. Let's get started. So, you met Joey when? I heard you used to make magic finger beds. Is that true? Please try to focus here, Amy. Understand something? If I'm going to help you, you have to help me. So, you and Joey? The kind that vibrate, right? We have to talk about this. I know it's going to be unpleasant. Talking about Joey? I love talking about Joey. Yeah, Amy is weird. And we just cut right back to flashback, and she's 16, flirting with him at the the, the car lot. Yeah, I mean, let's, you know, let's, she she flirted with him, sure. Oh, yeah, she's flirting hard, even though he's like, I uh, I fell in love with my wife at 16, I love my wife so much. That's attractive to her, though. Remember, she has this thing about relationships, that stable relationships, because obviously she doesn't feel... That she's ever been around, a, you know, her parents were never a loving couple. Yeah, like, if he had said that the lie of, like, I hate my wife, she's a damn bitch, Amy would not have been interested. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think she would not have been as turned on by him. Yeah, and, um, so she's looking at the family photos on his desk, and, like, covering up Mary Jo's face with her thumb. And we just get just a whole series of times that she's coming in with this smashed car. And flirting with Joey. She's like rubbing his muscles going, this is the sexiest arm I've ever felt. And she's still like on. She's like, all my friends date older guys. He's like, ha ha, I got scars older than you. (laughs) And she tells this story. Because he's like, you ever been with an older guy? She's like, first time I had sex, I was 12. It was this guy putting tile in my parents' house. And Joey's like, that's sick. I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like, this is not attractive now. Right. But that uh, doesn't stop her. She's undaunted. She keeps going. Flirting, flirting. Like, how can I ever repay you, Joey? 
Um, we get a little glance at the present when the lawyer's like, when did you first sleep with him? She's like, I remember the day and the minute, July 2nd, 1991. That's my sister's fourth birthday. Oh. Uh, which is really strange to think this happened. My sister is younger than my daughter is now. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Yeah. No, this happened all like 30 years ago. Yeah. Joey offers Amy a ride home from yet another visit to repair her car. And um, she's like, my parents aren't home. Come in. I'll give you lemonade. She's like rubbing the lemonade on her on her cleavage. She's like, it's so hot on here. Will you blow on me, Joey? Yeah. And then they start kissing, and while they're up in their bedroom, and we have nudity. Yeah. Like, we had the uncut version, but why does an uncut why, version exist? Why is there even an uncut version made for TV movie as an uncut version with nudity? Of an underage girl. Well, I'm sure the body double is over 18. Right. But this character is 16. And naked, he's sucking on her breasts and, you know, yanking off her underwear. We see everything. And considering this uncut version wasn't even released until many years later. It's not like they put this movie on TV and the next week said, see the uncut version at fucking Hollywood video. Yeah. No, it didn't come out until like... A good ten years later. Very bizarre that an uncut version of this movie even exists. So yeah, because they knew they were shooting for TV, but they're 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 having sex all the time now in motels and on boats. And she's like, he's making promises about, oh, I'll take you to dinner, buy you something nice. She's talking to him on the phone all night. Um, hundred year old dad is like, get off the phone. No. While she's doing phone sex with Joey. Uh, meanwhile, back in the present, uh, we have Amy like, oh, oh, hey, hey, Mr. Lawyer, does my sex story excite you? Yeah. Uh, we get the press conference, you know, this movie has a lot of press conferences. Yeah. And we get a, uh, another sex video of Amy with some other dude, like, that was broadcast on A Current Affair. Yeah, I remember that show. Yeah. Of Amy, just apparently she was working as a prostitute, and this was totally legit. This this is something that happened. Yeah. And I like when uh, Pagnazzi is watching this this video and points out a line Amy says and goes, Did she just say something about his stretch marks? Yeah. We take care of business, so we don't worry about this when we take care of pleasure. Are those scratch marks? Did she just ask if that guy had stretch marks? Hard copy had videos of stuff at the time. Every channel had secret videos of Amy Fisher doing shit. And they're all using this as a way to, like, slut shame and, like, paint Amy as not a victim. Yeah, it's Even horrible. Even this is an underage girl. Yeah, that obviously has some issues, some history of abuse or something. Well, she brings that up later in the movie, in fact. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was 12 and had sex with the the guy installing the floor in her house. Yeah. And Pagnazzi, she, she, the reporter hates this. And yeah, she, should. she has a point there where she goes, and now the term Lolita is being applied to Amy Fisher as if this alone would let grown men off of the hook. Yeah. Well, a lot of them got off the hook. Yeah, and um, I, well, I have my own rant in there that I wrote. Like, yeah. also, 
you're misapplying the term Lolita here because in the the, the they're saying it like Lolita, like she seduced him, like he was just like this innocent car owner that this Lolita seduced. Right. But the thing is, in the actual book, Lolita, where the term comes from, that's not what happens. Um, the character of Hubert in there is uh, already a pedophile before he ever meets Lolita, and he spends the entire time trying to get alone with Lolita. He's also a notoriously unreliable narrator. So the scene where she kind of seduces him uh, is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And her character's only 13 in that book. Right. She ain't seducing nobody. But that's what they wanted. That's what the press is going with. That, oh, so easy. be wary of women. Yeah, it's so easy to, to you know bring the sexism. Like the prostitution thing. So easy. Yeah, it's very... um. That opening narration to Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Yeah. Like, beware, women are evil. Right. And so, Pagnazzi goes to confront the guy at a current affair about the sex tape. Would you have shown that tape if Amy had been 13? Sure. Really? What if she'd been 11? Probably. What about five? If the girl prostituting that tape had been five, would you have broadcast it? No, come on, face it, Pagnazzi, we're all whores. Amy Fisher, the guy on the tape, me, you. We're just trying to make a buck, aren't we? Here's one thing with this movie, is that it's really trying to go to task about all the uh, the tabloid stuff. Yeah. About how it was wrong that all of these news reporters and like everything was trying to cash in and on this story. But yeah. you're doing this in a rushed-together cash-in television movie. Right. It does undermine your point slightly. Yeah. So, meanwhile, there's a colony of reporters at the Fisher home. His 100-year-old dad is looking at all the newspapers, and we, we hear Amy Fisher's arraignment, where she pleads not guilty. Now he hasn't died of a heart attack, in spite of all of this. Yeah, who's getting his pills? Yeah. Um, The prosecutor... You know, at the arraignment, just gets up and just starts slut shaming. You know, she deserves no bail because she's a she's a slut working as a call girl. And um, it, this guy's planning to run for office. He wants to be like he wants to be like attorney general or shit. So he's trying to make a big show of it all. Yeah, and he says, which was an actual quote from this prosecutor's calling her a high school student would be like calling John Gotti a New York businessman. I mean, technically accurate. Yeah, well, she still was a high school student. I mean, just because Gotti's business was not illicit, was not, you know, above board. Yeah. Some of it was, but... But, so the judge sets her bail at two million for right, first degree as, assault. And as they bring up, there are murderers <laughs> who got out on... Yeah, 50,000. Yeah. that This is specifically punitive. Um, yeah. So, let's see. Amy's going back to jail. Reporter's hounding her with questions. Uh, mom goes to visit her in the, the video in, in prison, but she doesn't even talk to mom. Once mom shows up, she's like, oh, right, no. Um, we get flashbacks. We get the flashback of her with the video dude, you know, when she's yeah. doing the uh, the sex work. Yeah. And he's like, oh, 150, like last time. She's like, 185. And he's like, oh, bitch, you're not worth that that much. She's like, that's not what you said last time, but I'll take 50 <laughs> off if you give me that Aerosmith jacket. <laughs> and then she's at home, just being a normal teenage girl feeding the dog, wearing this new Aerosmith jacket. Yeah. Uh, 100-year-old dad just looking on her with hatred. 
Amy's in school. She's getting paged, you know, and then meeting up with older older men, which I guess that's just what she was doing. Apparently. Yeah. So then we go to Joey's story for a while, where Joey, he's like at home with the kids hearing the scandalous news story. So he calls into the radio. He's like, I wasn't cheating on my wife. Why would I do that? Uh, Pagnazzi has a lawyer now. Um, no, no, Joey has a lawyer and is talking. You know, he's still like, there's nothing between us. You know, I'm, I ate pizza with her one time. <laughs> and the flashback is like, they're eating pizza. And Amy is like, have sex with me. And he's like, no, this is not right. No. Um, he repeats the story about like how she talked about having sex with the tile man when she was 12. Yeah. And he's like, I never knew she was a whore. Then we get the craziest ass flashback where Amy comes begging for help to Joey. Like, I have herpes. Um, should I tell my parents that I got it from you? Right, because she doesn't know who she got it from. Because she's been uh, doing some prostitution. Yeah. Probably should have been a little bit more careful. But then again, she's a teenager. And I doubt her, whoever's, <laughs> whoever, whatever her... Uh, call girl agency is probably not helping her try to stay clean. Well, they talk about that she was more freelancing. That's why she had the pager. So they could just contact her directly. Save some money, yeah. Yeah. So we get this scene with Joey, Amy, and her parents. And Amy's like, this is the man who gave me herpes. And Joey's like, oh, no, I never did. I was never involved with her. And 100-year-old dad is just like, "I, I, I, I don't know what to do. Joey, I need you to do this for me. I need you to cover. What do you mean cover? What is that supposed to mean? Look, I had to tell him. Now they just want to know who gave it to me. Just say it was you. What are you, crazy? I don't really know you. I don't know what else to do. Hey, well, tell him the truth. You got it off one of your boyfriends. They hate the guys I date. Well, then tell him you got it off the toilet seat. You don't get herpes like that. Look, Joey, I can't just tell him I don't know who I got it from. Now think of a slut. Joey, please. Forget it. Look, you've made a lot of money off me. You owe me. I am not getting involved. Though. She I was never involved with Amy. On any level. Period. I don't believe you. He's lying. What do you want us to do about it? Call the police? No. All right, I'm a liar. I'm a big fat liar. I'm sorry you got dragged into this. That's okay, Mr. Fisher. But I'm a married man. I got kids. I can't have this kind of talk getting around. Thanks for coming over. So everyone's hating on Amy now. And Pagnazzi's like going out to get to the bottom of this. Um, we get a POV from one of Amy's old boyfriends. We get a lot of varying point of views here now. Yeah. Because, like, up until now, it's been just, like, Amy's point of view. But now we're getting, like, Joey's point of view, where he's denying that he ever had sex with her. We're getting, like, the other kids she knew that are just saying how, like, obsessed she is. And she's like, can you get me a gun? Do you know where I can get a gun? And yeah. uh, Pagnazzi with this winning line here of, like... Oh, people don't make statements to the police anymore, do they? They just go off and sell their stories to hard copy. I was looking up the uh, the prosecutor. Yeah. His name is Fred Klein. Did he go for office? 
Not that I can tell, but he currently is at uh, Michael Seep, LLC, New York, attorneys at law. He's now a criminal defense attorney. Oh. What a shithead. Yeah. He went from DA to criminal defense? There's nothing wrong with being a criminal defense attorney. There's something wrong with being a DA trying to get a, a teenage girl thrown away for life and uh, then going to defend the same people you tried to throw into jail. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So, Amy's like high school friends that she's she's nagging everybody for a gun. And so this guy's like, here, 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 talk to Amy. If you just tell her you'll get a gun, you'll get all the sex you want. Just get her off my back. Right. And so... That's what she does. She's like seducing guys to get them to follow Mary Jo around. Yeah, and they yeah. do because they're they're horny teenage boys, and Amy's offering sex. Yeah, her her herpes sex. Yeah, they don't know that. I mean, she's using an asset that she has. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, we get more discussion about how unjust that two million bond is. Is that it's a punishment? And yeah. It's- It's the slut tax. And that the fact that nobody is even investigating any statutory rape charges against Joey. Right, or any of these 50 billion other guys. Yeah, and so we have more flashbacks like Joey taking his kids to see Santa and Amy like running through the mall like, Where were you? Were you having sex with your wife? Right, because Amy's got that Madison from from Swim Fan personality where she is now believes that they are meant to be together and i'm doing this all for you for us <laughs> and um he's like hey amy we shouldn't see each other no i need you i love you like look and she whips out like this thong in the middle of the mall like look what i bought for you his kids are on santa's lap he's like amy put that the fuck away <laughs> yeah he's like what are you gonna wear when you take me to prom joey yeah then she's, like, at some gym telling the guy, like, Joey and I would go to prom if it wasn't for his wife. Gym owner's like, the fuck is your problem, girl? So then, I have a note here that she buys a gun with her whore money. I mean, kind of. Well, her sex worker income. She's earned it. That's true. And, uh, she goes up to the house, you know, to Joey's house. She's got a, a, a hat on, um, all ready to go, and so, like... There's this thing where, like, Mary Jo opens the door, and Amy's like, Uh, 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 your husband's having an affair with my younger sister. See, look, here's the evidence, like, of a t-shirt from the the shop. Yeah. Mary Jo's like, I don't think so. I'm gonna call the police. And then Amy just, like, shoots her in the head. Yeah. Hi. Are you Mary Jo Brafuco? Yeah. Can I help you? Can I talk to you a sec? not every day that I confront a wife. What are you talking about? My little sister's having an affair with your husband. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I think the idea of a 40-year-old man having an affair with a 16-year-old girl is pretty disgusting. Well, he's not 40 yet. What's your name? Anne-Marie. And where do you live, Anne-Marie? In Bar Harbor. Honey, Bar Harbor is over there. Now, where do you really live? On Dolphin Court. And who's that? My boyfriend. I think you better go home. I have proof. I found this in my little sister's bed. (laughs) He hands these out all the time. It doesn't prove anything. I'm going to call him. 
and then the guy in the car is like, what the fuck, Amy? We do get the, the high school graduation, and Amy's not there, obviously. She's off in prison. Right. And the principal, like, sees her name and the list of diplomas and just, like, pauses it and then skips to the next name. I mean, she's not there, and you know she's not there. <laughs> yeah, we, everybody knows she's not there and why they're not. So we, uh, we get a bunch of clips of the trial and everything, and, um... And every time, you know, there's like a new tape on hard copy. And that's when Amy tries to commit suicide again. But first she calls Pagnazzi because she's like, I need someone to talk to. You know, these tapes, they don't let me speak for myself. Um, I, I wanted that other guy to marry me too. You know, she's just, I don't know what's going on in this girl's head. Well, she's obviously a very disturbed young lady. Yeah, and so she's, and it's a, her before the suicide attempt, because she's in her room and she just takes this handful of pills, and 100 year old dad is just watching from the door, doesn't even try to stop her, and then he just shouts, Rose, come here! Like, look, look, she's doing it! You gotta watch! Like, does not try to intervene at all, because this 100 year old dad is a piece of shit. Well, at some point, she also brings up the fact that she was abused. Which and I that wouldn't he be did, surprised. Dad did, dad did horrible things to her, and mom did nothing to stop him. Which, given so the like, dynamic of this family, I wouldn't be surprised. It seems like he probably molested her. Like, I have no, I can't find any evidence of it, but it seems likely. So, um, hard copy is given a thing, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's unfortunate that she tried to kill herself, but we have yet another secret tape of Amy Fisher. They play it, and it's, like, just audio, so the TV is just a, a test pattern, and everybody's holding their microphones up to this fucking TV. It's such a ridiculous shot. That's exactly what happened, though, because... Yeah. And Peg a lot of, what happened to journalism? Like, I know we talk shit a lot about journalism today and how shitty journalists are today everyone's just out oh, for clicks capitalism but when, but when did that i mean it's been that way a long fucking time right like there was a time when journalism had integrity but it wasn't even in the early 90s um i think 70s it died in the late 70s the sensationalism started more um with hearst in the late 1800s the spanish-american war which was basically a war started by newspapers. The whole fucking remember the main and everything. Yeah. Like, look into, like, Hearst's publications, you know, their journalism. That that was very much this, uh, that sensationalism and everything. It just, there's no way to get, like, it's so hard to find a minimal bias. There's, everyone's got bias. Like, it doesn't matter what, you know, it's subconscious or something else. But stuff with as minimal bias as possible, actual facts, trying to present things in a way that people can make up their own goddamn mind. Everything's yeah. fucking spin. Everything today, everything is meant to make you angry and hate watch shit. Like I just fucking try. I I stopped watching the news in the nineties, and you know I'm happier for it. But Jesus fucking Christ! Like you can see it here. Bunch of fucking parasites. Yeah, in fact, uh, Pagnazzi has a line here. She's like, oh my god, we're getting a press conference from a television. Because they're just scrambling with their microphones all at this television. It can only be hoped that the events of Friday and Saturday, those alleged suicide attempts, will ensure that Amy will receive the all and continued care she so obviously needs. Our obligation has been and remains to cover the story as best we can and to present the truth as we find it. Since when? 
In light of that, we have another tape in our possession. It was sent to Paul Makeley from Amy in jail. Oh, okay. I don't believe this. A TV is giving a press conference? I loved having you around, and I didn't want you to leave me. So right before Amy's conviction... No, no, it is. It's, it's when she's convicted. Because she gets 5 to five to 10 years, or 5 to 15? 5 to 15. Yeah. In real life, she serves 7, as paroled. Yep, she serves 7. So the mom goes to see Pagnazzi to show her the real Amy. And it's like a bunch of childhood photo albums. Um, And she's like, when Amy, when I was pregnant, Amy kicked so hard that she bruised my insides, you know? She hated being trapped, you know? Yeah. Uh, and she's like, after everything, you still love Amy? And she's like, yes, I do, more than my life. Uh, maybe you could meet her someday. It's like, but she's a convicted felon. Oh, yeah, she, she's a spirited one. I mean, how could you not, though? She's your own daughter. And, you know, you are at least complicit in the shaping of her with your inability to keep your husband from being an abusive shithead. Yeah, they do give us, like, the, the some that, that, yeah, she was she was just convicted, so they don't say she served seven years. Yeah. She'd served, right. like, a couple months when this came out. Right. Her sentence was reduced to just some some past facts. Her sentence was reduced to ten years, and she was paroled at seven. Um, the note in the movie says that Joey was never prosecuted um, for statutory rape. That's incorrect. Well, no, at the time of the movie. At the time of the movie, uh, was he wasn't. Real- but they reopened it. You did eventually plead guilty to one count, etc. We got all of four months. Oh, yeah. Um, Yay. But then, let's jump ahead seven years after that movie ends. And Amy Fisher, she gets out and she goes on a... Uh, oh, well, she goes on her press tour. And then, her filmography. Let Many me- fine films. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just like, oh, what were they? Like, fucking Amy Fisher. That She did porn. She did hardcore porn. Yeah, deep inside Amy Fisher, and Amy Fisher totally nude and exposed. She's a cam girl now. Yeah, she is. You can find more of her at amyfishersex.com. She's she 50. 49. Oh, yeah, 49. 49. yeah. I went and, and I watched, look bad. I watched I one that. of her scenes. It was like, not even on Pornhub, it was on like X Hamster. And yeah, it's a woman in her 40s having sex. It's exactly what you think it'd be. It's it's nothing special. Except for the novelty of it being Amy Fisher. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, she's not bad looking, but like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. I, I mean, hopefully, you know, she's content with life. Because I think she got, yeah, seven years for attempted murder. I think ultimately that was probably reasonable. Yeah, I think once like all the... Uh, the story died down. People were able to like, yeah, okay, she's committed attempted murder. Let's just treat it as a regular attempted murder case. Right. Eventually, I th- you know, it all shook out correctly, except for Joey probably should have gotten a little longer than four months, but uh, it's a discussion for another time. The movie does not make Mary Jo Buttafuoco look particularly sympathetic, even though, you know, someone tried to kill her, because she just stands by her shithead of a husband for so long. In fact, she writes a book about it later. They oh. divorced in 2005, I think. Um, and she wrote a book about it later about basically how pig-headed and, you know, naive she was to keep believing this idiot forever, how gaslit she was into believing this guy. So at least she uh, figured it out eventually. Yeah. So where do you put this on the uh, the coffee scale? Well, this is a better movie than Poison Ivy. Really? It helps that it, yeah. It helps that it's 
it helps that it's based on a true story, so we actually have you know real human motivations for things. It's certainly a better developed character, at least for um, Drew Barrymore. I don't know. I, I did for some reason. I, maybe because it's the focus is more on the trial and the history of it, rather than hey, look, Tom Scarrett's banging Drew Barrymore. Look at how sexy this is. Yeah, when that was not it at felt all less, sexy. It felt this felt less icky, even though the story itself is obviously icky. It just they didn't. It, well, except for the unedited part, which I still don't know why the fuck it was there. You know. Yeah. I, it's fine. It's like. It's not quite. It it's whatever. Eight p.m. coffee. It's like maybe maybe ten p.m. Like getting at the very tail end of that eight p.m. chain. It's not good, but it's fine. There's a little bit of interesting history. Yeah, well, that coffee has some history if it's been there at ten p.m. Yes, <laughs> much like the coffee you'll be drinking. Uh, this movie has history. Yeah, I don't regret watching it. I I did. I think Poison Ivy is a more beautiful movie, though. Wait, this movie is ugly. Oh yeah, this movie is just <laughs> it's it's a fucking made for TV movie, and it is not even remotely attractive to look at. Um, like, but yeah, it's ultimately. I mean, this one has the history and the story. Character with actual motivations. Yeah, because it's a real human being. Yeah, that they researched and stuff. Um, it's pretty well to the facts that I could find. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot of. At least from what I've seen, a lot of sensationalism. It's, it seems to to cut it pretty close to the facts. Well, it's it's very right existence to, right, is. <laughs> yeah, we're well, right down to calling out the bullshit of the of the of the journalists who sensationalized this. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, it's a it's a pretty fair take, I think. It is. Um. So next week we're doing Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, we're, yeah, we're we're watching four and five. Just straight up Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, why not? Yep, no muss, no fuss. Straightforward. Uh, incidentally, the watch party we're doing on Thursday before that uh, the Friday the Thirteenth episodes air is going to be a television airing of Part Eight. I found <laughs> from 1996 <laughs> on USA Up All Night. That has it has the hosted segments from Rhonda Shear as well as the uh, all of the commercial breaks are in there. Dang, uh, throwing it straight back retro. Yeah, so that's the watch party that we're having Thursday. But we will talk to you then. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.